All right, everybody, good to have you here tonight. Good to be online. God is good, isn't he? Man, I'm excited about being here. Uh, the, the opportunity, Gary did some good preaching there Sunday, didn't he? Got the anointing of God working. That's good news. So uh, very happy about that. Micah taught Monday night. And uh, that, was, that was really good. So we're, we're encouraged. I want to make mention that uh, Debbie Radford texted me today and uh, JM is having his surgery on the 14th of September. Yeah, how many of you guys remember we were talking about that? Um, let me confirm that right here. The, the, uh, yeah, the 14th of September uh, for his heart surgery. So keep him in your prayer. And we'll be, uh, we'll be grateful for that. Uh, they're doing some tests tomorrow to make sure, find out where the bleeding is. So uh, De Debbie said, thanks, thanks to all of our church family. So keep them in your prayer. Also remember the Hickey family. Uh, Keith's dad is pretty close to probably passing away. So uh, keep, keep him in your prayer, the whole family. I think you guys said you kind of went to see him possibly for one of the last times, probably. So keep them in your prayer. Never easy losing parents and family, grandparents. So keep that, them in mind as well, okay? So that's why Keith has been so busy with that. He hasn't been uh, here as much. Uh, his, his dad's just needed a lot of constant care. So I'll tell you what. It, as you get older, it's good to have kids that take care of you. <laughs> I started prepping my kids a while back. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I give them stuff. They'll, they'll be like, Dad, you don't have to do that. Hey, I do. Okay, because one day you're going to give it all back. <laughs> so. And I, I just tell them, yeah, one day you, you got to take care of me. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> and they let me know that they will. So that's good. But yeah, good preparation. That's the key. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So I want to move on to, uh, actually, we, we have joined quite a few things together. I have as far as the teachings. We started out uh, building this church just in the direction that God gave me. You know, not, it wasn't that it was a lot different than anything we'd ever heard, but timing. And I keep saying that timing. You know, we look back at some of the revelations that Rick taught and the direction that Rick got from the Lord. He put it out there for us all to come to. And one thing I've learned about this is Rick put some things out there years ago, and I have the, the opportunity to bring the timing of a lot of those things into play. So that's what we're doing. And that's why it's not that the word is so new. It's that the timing is here. And so prophecy was put into play and God set it up and has talked to me faithfully to help bring this in. And, and I look at the elders working with me, Keith and Gary, they've worked with me so gracefully and never tried to work against me as a pastor. And that has been just amazing. So it's the unity in the church here among the, the leaders, uh, as the elders specifically, has just been awesome. And amazing. So I'm so grateful for that. And it really helps because you're, you're, we're not always fighting for who's trying to lead the way and all of that. Everyone trusts the word of the Lord. And so I've always tried to bring that, and they have too, uh, to bring that into the congregation to say, let's follow the same cloud. You know, let's follow the same pillar of fire. Let's follow the same Holy Ghost. And that's what we've been doing. So if you, you stay close. Now, I will say there are two types of, of ways to receive the gospel that's going on in our church. Two different ways. Number one, uh, 
the first way is to hear it and uh, what we, you, you wipe the slate clean as a hearer. You come in and you say, I've been taught a lot of things in the past, but I'm, I'm coming as a, a clean sheet of paper and I'm receiving everything the Lord is saying and I'm going to go, I'm going to follow close and I'm going to apply it according to the way you're teaching it. We have that way. That's the best way. But then we have the other way which people get snared in, we got to watch out for, is you never really want to follow the way that God is leading. You want the revelation to add to the way you're going. So you, you go side by side, say like the church is moving this way, and you, you have some ideas that go, well, I'm going to go side by side with the church a little bit, but I'm going to do it my way. And so you take the teachings and you add it to your perception and then you kind of move. And so you always think you're in the same vein or the same flow, but you're not. And so guard for that. So that can happen to anybody at any time. You want to guard for that. And so the, the key to learning the difference is the fruit. Uh, I should, no, that's actually the, I said that wrong. The proof of it is the fruit. The key to learning the difference is pay attention. And, and you know, just pay attention. Like, what is the fruit? Am I tied to what God is doing? Or am I still talking about me? Because anybody that's over here generally talks about themselves a lot. And so if, you, if that's all the goal is, that's not true love, is it? True love is talking about the Lord. True love is in the need of God. True love is being the vessel of the Spirit. Okay? And that's really, if there's anything I want to lead the church in is to say, okay, God takes priority and stop worrying about yourself so much. Just love God and let Him lead the way. That's pretty easy, isn't it? It sounds easy. I think it's easy. So we're, we want to go that way. So we've talked about loving the Lord. Before that, though, we, you know, I set a lot of things up by preparing the church. Remember when I taught about building the church and also the church needs a new gospel? Remember that? The, these things are things we've been building for a while to get to the point where we could teach about love and how God loves us, and how we're to love God, and the two commandments, and be free from the law, yet love God with all of our heart. And then, of course, I had to bring in the thought, the idea of division, which has helped tremendously, or it should have, okay? For example, one thing I want to do tonight, uh, I mentioned this Wednesday night at the end of... Uh, Last Wednesday, Michael was teaching, and I got up for a few minutes, and we talked about remembering from where you fell, remembering from where you fell. What was the answer to that? You guys remember that? Remembering the place of love, because in the first church, you left your first love. So if you left your first love, was that the place you fell from? Okay, God loving you, you loving God. The return is get back to that place and say, well, what, there, what, how do I do that? There's a repentance involved. Repent and do the first works. Okay, So the idea here is get back. That's what we're doing. That's what we're focusing on is returning to the place where I love God with all my heart. Of course, God loves me already. He loved me first, but to where I can serve God from a place of love and everything just goes built on love and it takes such strain away from living for God. So the thing there is to get into these seven churches and talk about them again, because how many of you remember when I divided the overcomer? Remember that? And there were seven churches 
with seven distinct sins. And some were just testing. Some were not even sins. Some were just be faithful to the testing. But there were seven overcomings that you had to partake of. So if there's seven things you need to overcome, what would you think you, you know, what would be else would have to be there? If there's seven things to overcome, that would mean there are seven things possibly that you need to, let me draw a blank, from. You need to repent from. So is it possible that there's different divisions of repentance? Wouldn't that be possible? So if, how many of you grew up saying, I repented and I gave my heart to the Lord? And then only to find out, why am I still asking for forgiveness <laughs> for 500 things? It's because you were never told that there are divisions of repentance. You were never taught that. We were taught that you repent and it covers it all. Well, how can you repent from Jezebel if you don't even know who Jezebel is? How can you repent from Balaam if you have no idea of Balaam? It would be difficult, wouldn't it? So at your altar call, how many of you had someone kneel down with you and say, I know you repented, now you're saved, but you're going to have to repent from Jezebel, you're going to have to repent from Balaam, you're going to have to repent from pride, you're going to have to repent from lust, and you're going to have to work out these manifestations and when you come to them, you're going to have to learn how to overcome them. How many of you got that? Anybody? No, we didn't. We walked out there going, I'm saved, man. And you know what? Rightfully so. The first part of repentance is something so simple. Here's the first, the first part of repentance is all about, I just turned from saying I was right to saying now I acknowledge God. That's how simple that is. That's all we did though. We didn't do anything else. Like we said, I need to follow God. So I'm going to repent of thinking that I don't need to follow God, Micah. That's it. The journey now is going to now take you on a path that causes you to face so many enemies that at first, after the honeymoon's over and the first argument comes, you get my drift, these enemies come, all of a sudden you realize, whew, <laughs> this is living for God and, I mean, it's, it's work. Of course it's work. It's not supposed to be, but at first it is supposed to be. And so you get through these things. So let's look at these seven churches and we realize, okay, if the first church, um, uh, Ephesus, is all about your first love, leaving your first love, repent and do your first works. And then when you go to the second church of, of Smyrna, it was more about the devil's going to cast you into prison for 10 days. Be an overcomer. Be faithful unto death. Be an overcomer. And you start realizing, okay, there's two overcomings right there. The third church you get to, there, I think it's Thyatira, is where you have to face Balaam. And he says, you have the doctrine of Balaam among you and the Nicolaitans, you better repent from them. You need to overcome Balaam. And we say, okay, wow, this division thing is bigger than I thought. You don't have to fear it, but you have to repent. And then you get into the fourth church, and who's there? It's Jezebel. And when you get there, Jezebel snuck in 
and was deceiving and seducing the servants of God to follow a false doctrine. And then, okay, make sacrifice unto idols, things like that. What does he say you got to do? Same thing he told all the other churches, repent. And you see this pattern of repentance taking place. And then the fifth church talks about um, you think you're alive. Your reputation is you're alive, but you're dead. What? Well, who'd that sound like? The Jews? The Pharisees? Did that sound like them? Your reputation is you're alive, but you're really dead. And he says, you better repent of that. You got to overcome that idea. And you get into the sixth church of Philadelphia and he says, he says, you're going to be tested. I need you to overcome. So church two and church six, he doesn't say repent. He says, overcome the testing and the trials. That's good to know. So you repent, you're tested. You repent, you repent, you're tested. You repent again. It's like, I need to be an overcomer, and it involves two very specific things. I better be good at repenting, and I better be good at being tested. That's, that sums it up right there. What does it sum up? It sums up me learning who I am. It sums up me becoming a son of God. It sums up me going down the journey until... I overcome all seven things and then I rise up as a son of God in a resurrection. That sounds fair enough, doesn't it? Why does the seven churches, why are they so important? Because they teach you how to be a son of God. That's why they're so important. This is the simple version of the seven churches. There's lots of things. Remember the teachings I wrote? I taught five different things. He shows you the good in you. He shows you the bad in you. He gives you the instructions, you know, on the repentance. Then he shows you what the overcoming is. He gives you the reward. That's awesome. So if you're going through the seven churches, you are focusing on these things and you're learning that repentance is getting easier and easier and easier the trials the testing is getting easier and easier and easier should be unless you're rebellious <laughs> and then it's not but then each time you overcome something what happens do you gain some confidence do you gain understanding? Do you gain your connection with the Lord? You do, don't you? So imagine being an overcomer. I've returned to my first love. Okay. Church one. I obeyed that, Marvin. I returned to my first love. We go, I'm there. I made it. Not yet. Did you bring Balaam with you? Did you bring Jezebel with you? Now that you love God, now you can get them. You can get them now. Why do you think it's so valuable to love God first? Because if you don't love God, when Jezebel comes, you're going to be seduced. When Balaam comes, you're going to take the money. And you're going to prophesy under curses. And it's, it's very important to love God first. No wonder the first church. So be an overcomer and eat off the tree of life, which it makes so much sense. The reward is getting to eat off the tree of life again. I love God and I get to eat off the tree of life again. Eating off the right tree is going to help me deal with these other tests. It's going to help me deal with Jezebel. It's going to help, help me deal with thinking I'm one thing that I'm not. I didn't even mention Laodicea, right? Naked and blind, 
wow, that, that church is in deep trouble. But as you go through this overcomer, you're watching all of these divisions take place, and I'm learning something here. It's not that I'm failing God. I'm just making the journey. I'm going through the progressions. That's really cool, isn't it? That's really cool. So you say, well, how can I be loving God with all my heart and bring Jezebel with me? Well, I'll tell you how I learned this. Years ago, how many remember when I went down to Virginia Beach and worked there for two years? So I was sent down there, and then Rick brought me back. And here I am. Two years I was there. While I was there, I had a dream. And in this dream, I was in this dark workspace. And I was working, working, working. And it was my own works, obviously. I was working, working. And two men came to me, and I, I knew them as the authority. They were angels, and, and they were there to arrest me. And so they took me and arrested me, but it wasn't all bad. It wasn't like, you're in trouble, you know, like you've done something really bad. Yes, I was in my own darkness, sitting in darkness, doing my own work. But this was a good learning. This was a teaching. This was me learning who I am and what's in me. And so they brought me to this room, and this room was I'll be honest with you, it was at that time, it was the brightest light I had ever seen in my entire life. This dream, I'll never forget it. This room had walls, but had no walls. It was so bright and like white. It was so bright, it was white. Like, like it had walls, but it didn't. It was so bright. So the walls were made of light, kind of. That's the only way I can say it. And in this room... I'm looking and there's this man there. And this man hated God. And I knew he came with me into this place with God. Now the angels brought me into this place and I was so happy. I remember in this dream, I was so happy in this dream. I was, I was like, this is, this is heaven. This is the kingdom of God. This is life. And I'm sitting there in the stream and I look over and I see this man and I'm like, what are you doing here? Type. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, what are you doing here? And I told him, I said, I love this place. He said, I hate it here. I want out of this place. And I woke up. And I, of course, back then I was going through the process. First having these dreams, being taught, called Rick. Rick and I, we talked about that dream for years. We talked about that dream. Getting understanding, God visiting me again. Here's the point I made. I learned right then that when the Lord brought me into a place so that he could talk to me, I was bringing his enemies with me. You say, well, no, I, I, I can't bring my enemies into the kingdom of God. Yes, you can. Remember Job? Who'd he bring with him? Satan. Where was Satan coming from? Walking to and fro in the earth? See, Satan had access to heaven through you. See, if, if God calls us to heaven and we bring Satan with us or the man of sin, if we bring him with us, God's going to talk to him. You think God's just going to let him sit there and ignore him? No, he's going to talk to him. What do you think he's going to say to him? Same thing he said to him in Job. Have you considered my servant? Well, what, it, what else is he going to say to him? In other words, if you bring the man of sin into the presence of God, God is now going to use him as his servant to go after you. And teach you. So after that, who do you think showed up in a lot of my dreams? Yeah. Whether it was Satan or the man of sin or different manifestations of that same parable. He began to show up in my dreams because I brought him. 
And the minute you bring him into the presence of God, you're accountable. Now that's interesting. But this is stuff you, you kind of need to know and think about sometimes. Like the whole spirit world is very real. And while we struggle with things in this life, the spirit world, we got to get our eyes open to that at times. And so dealing with him, I knew who he was after that. I knew who he was. It was revealed to me. So it wasn't a guess anymore. Like, I don't know who this guy is. And everybody says, I'm fighting the man of sin. Have you ever brought him to heaven yet and introduced him to the Lord? Lord, here's my man of sin. <laughs> What's yours look like? <laughs> What's yours look like, Micah? <laughs> you know? Well, don't they all look the same? No. They all look like who? They look like your thoughts. They look like you. You created him. Now we're talking, right? And so you, you bring him and present him to the Lord, and then the Lord says, good. My servant's here. Both of them. Now I'm going to use my servant to teach my servant. And off you go. Well, I learned that going through the experiences. And so you don't take for granted the testing. So what did I need to do? I needed to learn how to repent from everything that came my way. But now, what's the problem with repentance? What is it, Tim? So Tim said you get stuck there, getting snared in repentance. Why? Because you focus on it all the time. And that's all you do is focus on repentance. You're not walking in grace, nor faith, nor righteousness, nor healing, nor forgiveness. So the point is, if I am learning repentance, and I've learned this, I only need to repent the one time. Every other time after that, it just comes naturally. In other words... I agreed to repentance when I signed the contract of repentance. Right, Micah? And then so after that, every enemy that comes, you just, you don't say, I repent over. You just repent by the deeds, by loving God. Did you know loving God is repenting? So the minute I love righteousness over iniquity, I've repented. So how many times do you hear us as preachers talk about repenting? Like, oh, I repented over this. I repented over that. But do you think it's happening? It's happening. Like repentance is happening all the time. You know why? Because the world that God set in the heart has a lot of enemies. The eternity that's there has a lot of enemies. So you just continually learn and love God, and the more the love increases, the more repentance works. Or turn. All you're doing is turning from it. For example, it's like, I'll just, I'm just going to throw out a few dreams here tonight. Another dream I had in my early days. I'm in the earth. I, I haven't told this dream in a long time. I'm standing in the earth. And I look up and I see this man standing on a cloud. And I look to my right. It caught my attention. There was a path that went down into. It's like a door to a dungeon. And it, it, you could walk right down. And there was this, ugh, this ugly man. <laughs> he was he was gross looking and he was wanting me to come. And I said, no, I'm going with him. And notice that. What did I do right there? I made a choice. What is that? I repented. I turned from that. 
And I entered in with this prophet, because that's what he was. And he led me to a tree, huge tree, with fruit this big, fruit this big, like hanging from the leaves. It was like this big in the dream. And he said, eat of this tree, eat the fruit. I could actually grab the fruit and eat off of it, and I did. And the tree, out of the tree came Jesus. And he stood there and he said, this is the prophet Daniel. He will teach you all parables. And I thought, bam! Took me years to understand that. I wanted to know, what does that mean? Back then it was all about wisdom and understanding is as. This equals this. And I'm thinking, I'm learning all the parables. Man, I wasn't learning nothing. That's not what Jesus said. Well, since then, guess who's come to teach me? Things I haven't really talked about. Guess who came to teach me? The prophet Daniel. Of course. Because Jesus said he would, and he did. So where do you think we're getting all this stuff from? We're not making it up. It's like visitations the prophets are descending from heaven or you're being caught up with them and you're they're talking to you and sharing one time i sat at a table of prophets and they were all going around the table talking about the testimony of the lord that they possessed and i'm sitting there i'm i was young i didn't even understand everything i was seeing back then and i'm like my god man these are, these are how we repent. This is how we overcome. This is how we learn the things of God. And see, I've never been one to just tell all my dreams. I'm a teacher, man. I want to teach you how to walk in everything I've received. Everything. So if I follow the Spirit, I'm going to teach you how to repent over everything you ever did wrong without ever saying, I repent. Isn't that awesome? I want to teach you how to overcome every enemy in your life and never have to say, I overcame something, unless you want to testify about it. But your life just tells it. Your wisdom speaks it. Your understanding speaks it instead of your trumpet. Your understanding testifies of it. And at that point, I've thought about this many times. If God calls you to ascend, do you ever have to justify it? Do you ever have to try to convince people of it so they'll follow you? Or does the convincing automatically come because, man... Your testimony is true and it works. See, that's, this is the life we're going after, man. So even if, even if God never called you in this life to sit in this seat right here, if God never gives you this seat, if God never tells you that you have to do what I do or any one of the deacons, do what God gives you. And do it with all your heart. And let it shine the brightest light. Because you know why? There are a multitude of stars in heaven. There's a multitude of stars with different brightnesses. And you know what? The bright star's not making fun of the star that doesn't shine as bright. He's not. And the, and the star that's not shining as bright is not mad and angry at the brighter star. And if he does get jealous over the brighter star, what happens to him? You could cause the bright star to fall. And then you could, and then the bright star could lord over. So is that what, do we want to learn not to do either one of them? Go read Romans 14. There's your parable for it. And 
learn how to be a part of the body that you are and function in that and you will be the happiest you've ever been in your entire life. You will be at such peace and joy and you got to let go of all the burdens that God never put on you and be free. And there are people that will literally come into this church with a heart after God and never get up here. And I will love them with all my heart and God will too. And they'll be part of the body and they'll be a good friend and they'll be a faithful member of the church and I'll love it. And I'll know they'll never be up here. But we will never despise them, will we, Micah? Never. We will, we will honor every member accordingly. And, and that's the way it should be. Because we're cleaning out the old man thought and we're bringing in the new and we're saying, you know, God's put his stamp of approval on this whole thing. So let's let him lead the way. So you can repent. You're, you're going to have to continue to repent. But you don't have to go around saying, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. I mean, come on. Like, do I literally have to tell God I'm sorry? When I could actually say, I love you and enter into that. And he knows I'm sorry. And it's like the world has conditioned us so much. I had a Bible school teacher. I, I Honest to God, remember her, Naomi? I'm, I'm sorry. She said, I'm sorry to you. Every five minutes, if she thought you were not happy with her. And I thought everybody knew her as the I'm sorry teacher. And I'm like, what a way to live. Like, you don't, if I knew back then, you know, back then we just made fun of her. Because we were Bible school students and we thought we knew it all. <laughs> now I'd be like, I know the, I know the answer for you. And I wouldn't make fun of her. I would, I, if she would love me. But if it's not my place, it's not my place. But if, it, if I could help, I will. But the point is, why walk around like that with that mindset to God? I'm sorry, God. I'll let you down again. I'm sorry, God. Just, how about just loving him? That'll fix that, won't it, Marvin? Yeah. I'm sorry always is on yourself. Absolutely. It's not on Jesus. 100%. 100%. And then, what if you physically stop saying I'm sorry or thinking I'm sorry, but you still act the same? Don't do that. You're still saying you're sorry. And am I telling everybody not to be sorry? No, be godly sorry. How do, be godly sorrowful. Not worldly sorrowful, godly sorrowful. Godly sorrowful works repentance. Well, that was easy. God showed me my enemy and I turned from him. Let me think about it. Daryl, it's like this. Instead of saying, I'm sorry I looked at him, how about just turn from him and go to Jesus? Didn't know he was there, but I, I ran into him along the way and then I turned to Jesus and he saved me there you go that was easy I learned something about God he will forgive an, an adulterous wife over and over and over and over and over again because he knows one day they'll come to it they'll be faithful and I'll change them. He knows that. Now don't think like, 
physically and all this. Don't think that this is a spiritual matter. Don't, think, don't, don't get into the physical part right now. Think of how you walk with God. Have you ever failed? Have you been put into prison and complained instead of singing at midnight? Have you ever, have you, have you ever been tempted and, yeah, you gave in? Yeah, okay, deal with it. We all have. The minute you're healed is when you turn. That's it. So it's like, I don't have to focus on repentance. That's the point here, Tim, is like, I don't have to focus on that. I don't have to always focus on saying like, I'm, I'm trying my best to be an overcomer. Like there was a time when I focused on it because I didn't know how to be. But once you start learning it, get in the groove, man. It's simple. Love God. What will you be? A forgiven overcomer. Love God. And so all I'm doing in teaching all of this is to say, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, okay? Love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus Christ. And then as you do that, will you repent continually over every enemy? Sure. Will you overcome every enemy? Yeah. Will you pass every temptation? Sure. Will you uh, be freed out of prison, trials, testings? You will. And that's, to me, that's as simple as it gets. It's all about loving God. The seven churches, and I'll say it this way, when Rick taught that years ago, that was such an eye-opening teaching because it did a lot of things. But how many of us understood it? It was like, oh, this is awesome, but we have to come to it. We're coming to it now. We're going through them. We're going to overcome every one of them. We're going to rise again. And we're going to walk in newness of life. But never despise where you're at. And always, always just love God first. And you will find yourself any lie that it rises up in you you will automatically repent over it and you don't even need to talk about it. Except that, you know what I learned? <laughs> Man, this is awesome. I learned something. That's what I'm saying. Like you, when I get with you sometimes or you get with me, you'll be like, man, I learned something. This is what I learned. And you don't, have to, you don't even have to cry about it. it. You know, one thing I have learned personally you know, we, in the good old days, we used to, uh, I got so excited just because, I think because we think God don't talk to us, that when he did and we overcame something, it just, we just broke down and cried about it. So I'm trying to share what God did for me. I'm just bawling. Now it's like, why cry when I can skip along in joy and just walk the other way? It's like, why cry? So I, you rejoice now in your overcoming. Kind of makes sense, right? So it's, it's very cool. Your walk with God just strengthens it and increases. And they say, you know, the best men cry. The good men, they cry. The strong men, they cry. Maybe sometimes. I hit my toe with a hammer one time. Yeah, I cried. After I said a few things. <laughs> then you had to repent from them, yeah. Yeah, you had to repent from what you said, right? <laughs> now back to seriousness. But what are your thoughts? You got any questions for me? Question? No? Let's focus on a question. If we have a, do we have any questions? And Tim, if we got anybody online and they want to ask a question, you can un unmute all of that. Questions? Anybody online have a question for me? Hey, Dan, this is Julie. I have a question. Oh, of course. 
Hey, for anybody that has tried to get a hold of me the last two days, Tim and Brad and Daryl and Micah have been helping me with my deck. Uh, man, what a hard day's work that has been for days. So I'm trying to get back to everybody. If you're one of the ones I need to call, I promise you I will get back to you, okay? But, you know, it wouldn't look good if I'm over there talking on the phone all day and they're out there working on my, at my house. So I try to help them out. But anyway, that's why I said that, Julie, because you're one of them. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Go ahead. So I, I have a question. When you were talking about the dream about the man of sin that you brought up into heaven, did you know, did you know that you brought him into heaven? And how was he able to access heaven? Because I thought the man of sin couldn't access heaven. Um, how did that work? Okay. Let me explain something here. I have taught this before, but I haven't really focused on it. Okay. Everybody thinks that Satan was cast out of heaven. And so there's no return. Okay. Revelation 12, the dragon cast out of heaven. That's true. He had no more place in heaven. But what do you think it was like before that? See, we say, well, all of that happened way in the beginning, but nobody knows when. But the way God showed it to me was that through the generations, Satan had access to heaven. And he wasn't cast out of heaven yet. He was in the earth, roaming to and fro, and was, was destroying the lives of men, but could also come to heaven with them. Until the time came where God said, I am going to cleanse my heavens. Now I'm casting you out. And he won't let him back. So before that heaven is cleansed, who has access to it? Satan, the man of sin. Because God had to allow Satan, the dragon, to deceive he had to let him test his children. He had to let him test his angels. So before he was ever put out permanently. See, we think, well, the, the dragon and the serpent and all of that had no access to the, to the earth. They were only in heaven, and then they were cast to the earth. But when God created heaven and earth... Not only did God have access to both, how do you think the serpent got to the garden? He had access to both. So as he had access to both, he could make the journey until the time came that God said, no more. Now I'm, salvation has come to heaven. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Salvation has come to heaven. So how did the man of sin, I said all that, right? How did the man of sin have access to heaven? We could bring him there when we were talking to God. That was all before my heavens were cleansed. Does that make sense? Julie, does that make sense? Yes. And so are you so are you saying then that so it's different for every single person, right? So your heaven could be cleansed now and that in that man of sin will not have access but for me, that's not true. That's exactly right. Okay. That's if, awesome, Dan. Yes, it is. If, if you look, see, that's why I had to look to Rick's for so long, because his heaven had been cleansed. And so if Satan is put out, he's not getting back. But before that, I was meeting with Rick, talking to him with a a heaven and an earth that were both being defiled. And so what did I have to do? Cleanse my heaven so that Satan couldn't get back there. And what, what we try to do is we try to function our walk with God in the earth with an unclean heaven. The Bible talks about a heavens that are darkened. So if our heaven is darkened, that means the devil still has access to it heaven and earth. You haven't come to the part where heaven has been cleansed and Satan's been thrown down. You just thought you did. That makes sense, don't it? I mean, this should clear up a lot of stuff. That's why Satan could go to and fro. 
He could come with the sons of God because in that story, Revelation 12 had not happened yet in manifestation. So for some of you, you go to present yourself to God who comes with you. The man of sin. And many of you don't even know you're presenting the man of sin to God and you don't even know it. The story of Job is taking place in you right there and you can't see it. And you're wondering why you're still struggling in heaven and in earth. Revelation 12 has not happened yet. So I relied on that until it happened in me. And when I saw it, I've seen it three times. Three different ways Satan being cast out. And I'm going to tell you something. You'll know it. Don't try to say he's been cast out of my heaven and never really, really be able to talk about it. You will know it when it happens because you will do it. And you'll never forget it, it, Rick said. It, it It will work in your heart so strong that you will never forget it and it'll live in your consciousness and even when you're not thinking about it, it's, it's coming, working by the Spirit in your consciousness to lead you in that thought pattern. So many of you, that's what it is. You're struggling with a heaven that still hasn't been cleansed. It's just in prophecy that it will be cleansed. Now, does that help tell the story? I hope it should free your, free your thoughts a lot of ways because if you're telling me your heavens are cleansed and you're still battling with sorrow of the flesh and sin and death and all of that your heavens aren't cleansed don't even try to tell me that if you want to have this conversation we're having it right now right is that me raise your hand is that me yes that's you i'm talking to everybody's heaven is different yes Yes, it's different. Now, in prophecy, it's all the same. Why? Because Jesus. See, you love Jesus, I love Jesus, Deborah. So Jesus, heaven's cleansed, and it's just like the Bible says. See, the Bible is Jesus. The story of Jesus from start to finish completed. So we look at that and we go, ooh, Satan's been cast out of heaven in Jesus but maybe not in you. That's the reason why you got to love it or him. Because you're in the body. The body of the Lord. Rick is talking right now, everybody, online. That's why. This is some important stuff. This is the kind of stuff that should free your mind and help you walk cleaner. In other words, Deborah, one second. In other words, learning tonight that everybody's heaven and earth is different, that's huge. It's, it's totally huge because it, it should stop you from, number one, judging yourself against others. Always, always compare yourself with the Jesus. The Jesus figure. The Jesus image. Always. He is the one that cleansed heaven. We know it came through Michael, but ultimately it was Jesus, wasn't it? So you, you want to compare yourself to that and say, okay, that is my finish line. And if I haven't seen it all or come to that, that's okay. I'm getting there. I'm somewhere in that Bible. I'm somewhere in that Bible. I'm walking through that journey. And that's cool. Right? I mean, that's how I approached it. Right? Is that how you approach it? So we're walking through the journey. You have a question? Go ahead and let him get the mic to you this time. Does that have anything to do with why Judas was called with the 12 disciples? Sure. Sure. I mean, Judas was a, a repeat story of what was going to happen with Satan and the man of sin. That story happens so many times in the Bible. 
you know, where being cast out of in the 12, let's say the 12, you know, you had tribes of Israel that were cast out. Did you know that? One of the tribes of Israel did not make it in the New Jerusalem. He was replaced. You didn't know that, did you? See, these are the secrets. They're telling us the same thing. But that tribe walked the story until no more. Just like Judas walked with him as a thief. And he had access to Jesus, held the money bag. He had access to the same things that the other apostles had. He had access to all of it until Satan entered his heart and bam, here's the betrayal. So, absolutely. It's everywhere. So you see the story. I'm saying you, we see the story of Satan walking through the journey, heaven and earth. So, well, where did Judas have access to heaven? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Matter of fact, Jesus never even dealt with Judas. He just used him accordingly. That's pretty amazing. So what do you think God's going to do for each one of us? Is he going to use the man of sin? Is he going to use Satan? Is he going to use until it's time to throw him out of heaven? And then he says, shut the door. Satan's never coming back. And I'm telling you, I've seen that. I've seen him. I've been in the consciousness of Satan when he tried to ascend to heaven again to get back in and he can't. In my heaven, he can't get back in. Two strong angels would not let him. Didn't even speak a word. He knew. There was no war. <laughs> he knew he couldn't even war against them. The angels just guarded heaven, and they just never said a word. And he tried, he stopped. He knew. And when he descended, Total destruction. He came with a vengeance into the earth and just started destroying everything he could. He's so angry. But he'll never get back into my heaven. And when your heaven is totally cleansed, he'll never get back into yours too. We're just telling a few stories tonight. That's all we're doing. Pretty good ones. But they're stories. Any other questions? Hey, Dan, this is Megan. Um, what you're talking about right now is the, so in the example, you know, he's cast out of heaven, but he's cast to the earth. So when your heaven's cleansed, is he still have access in the earth? I mean, but he's got a short time there, right? And yes. he's going to be overcome there as well. Yeah. Like, can you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the verse in Revelation is very clear about that. But now he knows it. It's like this. Satan has access to heaven and earth. He's just full of destruction, right? But then he gets cast out of heaven. And when he does, he knows he has a short time because he knows the prophecies. He knows when it comes time to cast him out of heaven, all hell on earth is about to break loose and a new heaven and a new earth is on its way. And he's going to be done. He knows that. You know why? The story was told in the beginning. The whole story. And so he knows that. So what do you think happens when your heaven is cleansed and you're still working in the earth? Go ask Paul. He'll tell you. Ask, ask him. Ask the apostles. Ask Rick when you get a chance. What happens in the earth as you try to minister the gospel with, when Satan can't get back into heaven? Boy, does he come after the saints of God. He comes after them. And, and I'm going to just say it this way. Devil's no joke. He's no joke. He's, he's not a myth. I mean, he is, but he's not. And... Once your heavens are cleansed and all he has in the earth, he, he's coming after. He's, he's taking as many down with him. But 
you will learn how to overcome him in the earth as well. You will. You will. But let's work on the heaven first. So these are things we, you know, we, we need to talk about. And I want to. I want to talk about. But here's the thing. I can't talk about these things all the time with people that are not interested in heaven. I can't do it. I had to bring the church on a journey so that we could stop talking about ourselves and love the Lord with all our hearts so we could actually talk about heaven. And we'll talk all day long about heaven, won't we? You know you got some people in here, some men of God that have been in heaven and love heaven. We'll talk about heaven all day long. But we got to do it when you're ready for it. And we will do it. But here's the thing. You sometimes, you don't even know you do it. Sometimes when you come to talk to us, you bring your Satan with you to us. And what do we use? You don't think we know him? We know him. We look right at him and then we put him in his own parable to teach you. And that's the way it should be. Why do you think I'd go to Rick? I'd bring the man of sin with me. We had a cleansed heaven. So all he did was look at my Satan and command him to teach me. And he did. Until it came time for me to cast him out of my heaven. So what do you think we're going to do for you? Don't look at that. I'll tell you a story. One time, this was the funniest thing. And Micah, Micah has changed a lot, hasn't he? How many noticed? But I can use him when, when this first happened. He was a little bit nervous about this part. Can I, do I have your permission to put you on the spot and say anything I want? Yeah, no, I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. Okay, good. Yeah, he may want to vouch for himself. But he hung out with Rick for years. He hung out with Rick for years, and Rick was like a father to him. And he still is. I mean, but it was like the greatest man spiritually in that regard. He just hung out with him, fed him all the time. Matter of fact, you lived at his house for however long. Ann knows because he just, oh, Micah's here again. Oh, is Micah, is Micah paying rent now? Did, Ann said, did, asked Rick one day, did Micah move in and you not tell me? But anyway, uh, Rick, just one day, out of the blue, just tells Micah that I, I, I turned you over to Satan. Yeah, of course I did. That shocked him. Micah, it hurt him. It hurt Micah. Because Micah thought, you're like, you're like a spiritual father to me. To all of us. And you, you would turn me over to Satan? Why would you do that? And turn me over to Satan? And I remember, because Micah and I were working closely at that time. And so, now I'm having to minister to Micah. And it's like, you turned me over to Satan. I thought you were my friend. Remember that? You want to say anything about that? That's what it was. So it was like, ah, how could you do that to me? And Rick's answer was, I loved you. I loved you. And look where he's at now. Preaching the gospel. That boy couldn't preach his way out of a wet paper sack at one time. And didn't want to. Or didn't think you could. And yet... Here he is, leading the church with me as a man of God. Why? Because somebody loved him enough to turn him over to Satan. How about that? So, anybody out here don't want to be turned over? Raise your hand and we'll leave you alone. I have both fingers crossed when I said that. Well, I'll say it again. We'll leave you alone. <laughs> No, we're coming after you faster. <laughs> no. 
But it worked, didn't it? He turned me over to Satan. So what do you think you get turned over to? Endure it. Endure temptation. Church number two. What's it say? You'll be put into prison 10 days. Satan will cast you there. Whew. But you overcome death, Brad. Overcome death. Be that overcomer. Okay, that's good enough. So yeah, Get, you, you will have Satan. When you come to us, we will have to put Satan to work in your life. Endure it. Rejoice that you've been counted faithful as part of the body. Rejoice over that. Man, we can end on that. I'm, I'm going long again. Every time I teach on these nights, I'm going long again. Wearing everybody out. Any more questions, real quick? Online. Okay, any questions in here? Specifically question. Okay. So we said a lot tonight, didn't we? I hope you learned a lot. Church number five. I'm al I think I'm alive, but you're really dead. Learn that one. Trust me, learn that one. You want to learn that one. <laughs> Whatever you do, learn that one. Okay? Well, I thought Jezebel's worse. Yeah, well, <laughs> they all have their place. But definitely learn that one, okay? You'll have to go back and read it. How many of you, if you go back and look at the, uh, my website, I made that chart. I made a chart on the disobedience, the instruction, and the reward. If you look at that chart, it is all right there. It's perfectly laid out. I'm t it's simple, isn't it? Perfectly laid out. Teaching number seven on my website. Teaching number seven. Scroll all the way to the bottom. You can even hit a PDF if you want. Print it out. You're welcome. All right. I'll talk to you online. God bless you. We'll see you later.